Canuck Central coming to you live from the Kintec studio on the road here at Andrew Sherritt Limited. Together with Milwaukee, Andrew Sherritt is hosting a series of sales events across BC. Come check out their products with Milwaukee reps. Get exclusive one-day deals and enjoy the barbecue. Got some burgers and some hot dogs over here on East First Avenue just by the highway. Plus, every purchase enters you into a draw for either an M18 Fuel 2 tool combo kit, hammer drill and impact driver, or an M18 fuel powerhead string trimmer. So head over to Andrew Sherritt Limited today to see what they have on offer. Uh, We're going to talk to Fluto Shinzawa of The Athletic coming up. Uh, The Boston Bruins going through a coaching change this year, and uh, he did a recent piece with Jim Montgomery, who's taken over in Boston, about some of the uh, tweaks and the changes they look to make. And it was it was fascinating because Boston's long been a team. They get a ton of possession. You know, mm-hmm. they're always up there in the league uh, of controlling the shot shares and, and things of that nature. But Jim Montgomery had some very clear ideas on how they can maybe increase the quality of shot they take. And that's something, you know, as analytics take more of a hold in mm-hmm. how the game is coached and and um, and played. Sat, you know, that's where we're moving to. Is it quality over quantity? And we've seen that really starting to shift over the last couple of years. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and one of the things about um, Jim Montgomery you saw with the Dallas Stars was when they kind of became a buzzsaw team. They, they were on teams all the time, always playing fast, really hard team to keep up with, and constantly forechecking, getting on top of you, play with a lot of speed. And they weren't overwhelming you with volume, but they created quality, to your point. It was like, you know, the scoring chances, high danger in a game against the Stars would be like 12-4 to four or 12-3. Yeah. to three. I mean, That's what it would be like. They want to create like 20 high scoring chances, but it was still be more quality than what they're giving up. And, you know, if, if they can get that team playing that way, then it's going to be really interesting to watch the, the Boston Bruins this upcoming season. Let's uh, bring in our next guest uh, with the Athletic covering the Boston Bruins, Fluto Shinzawa. Thanks for this, Fluto. How are you? You got it, guys. Good, good. I uh, was, was really uh, interested reading your piece with, uh, with Jim Montgomery. First off, I, I was more so I, I think I was surprised that an NHL head coach was just so open and honest about about the things that they plan to do for the upcoming season. Uh, we love it here <laughs> in my business. <laughs> uh, the more they're open, hey, it's, uh, I think, uh, perhaps, perhaps some coaches uh, more so than others, uh, they, they, they know that they, they have a job in terms of promoting and marketing not just their team but the sport in general. And I, I would say credit to the coaches and to the players, to, to anybody who's able to, to explain and, and, and go speak cogently about some of these systems because as, as simple as the game may seem in terms of putting a puck in the net, it's, it's complicated, right? There's, there's a lot of intricacies to it. And the more that people can explain it, I think, I think the more hopefully that readers and consumers of the game can understand and appreciate just how technical and how cerebral the, the sport can be. So it was, it was a pleasure. Uh, it's, uh, there, there's been other coaches too, um, but yeah, it was really nice for Jim to to open up and and uh, get, let me have a peek behind the curtain, so to speak. Well, and, and it's a, and it's quite the departure from what you usually hear from coaches when you ask them about their, their system. They say, well, every team plays pretty much the same thing, just minor little tweaks. But what you illustrated so well in your discussion with Jim Montgomery is how big of a difference those little tweaks can make. As simple as trying to buy a little bit of time in the neutral zone to create better chances for entries. And sometimes playing fast and playing direct are two different things, aren't they? 
Well, yeah, the one thing that really struck me was when we were talking about uh, neutral zone. You, you have this impression, right, with, like you said, every team wants to play fast and north-south and go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Well, you, yeah, that's fine in theory, but there are times when you can send guys straight north and there's just nothing there. Well, that's that's not really going to do you any good. And what, what Jim was explaining is that, especially in St. Louis, it, it was remarkable to see that Blues team because we got a good look at it in Boston 2019. Heavy, big, tough, defensive-minded, and then they come in here last year and they're flying. It's just, now, some of it is on the talent, uh, the Thomases and the, these, these young guys, Bucinevich uh, uh, they, they brought in. And of course, Tarasenko is still there, but it's – they, he was Jim, as an assistant coach, was explaining that some of the, the theories that they were talking about was to buy them time, just a little bit of holding on to the puck in the neutral zone. If there, if there's three guys back on the other team, for example, then they gave their guys the green light to hold on to the puck, maybe skate a little bit more in the neutral zone just to buy them that extra second of, of time, throw off the timing, make the gaps a little bit slacker, and then, and then that that still allows you to generate speed through center ice, and then hit the blue line, flying. So it's just it is amazing to see just how how little adjustments and little tweaks can really um, make a difference because it's this, as as fast and as smart and as skilled as these players are, just a half second that that can make a big difference in terms of turning nothing into an actual rush or scoring chance. Yeah, and it's it's not just about the the speed of each individual player. It's it's how they're playing the game and uh, ultimately how they're moving the puck. Uh, and, and that was you know one of the big takeaways I had from from reading your piece with with Jim. But it, Boston's you know it, you look at a lot of the underlying numbers and some of the the analytics. It's always been flattering for the Bruins under under Bruce Cassidy. But there was a, a trouble of finishing. And, and when when you talk to to Montgomery about it. What I, it was kind of, I was surprised to hear him say that he thinks the more quality chances that the Bruins can generate will start in their own end, in the defensive end, and that's that that's that's kind of what got me reading reading your piece with Jim. Yeah, um, it's 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 something that it's, it's something that even Claude Claude Julian talked about it, and Bruce would talk about it. Now the, the results perhaps weren't what they wanted, but it's. That that's how they want to get to their their speed game, which is especially in the playoffs against Carolina. They really struggled at generating speed through the neutral zone. It just wasn't clean enough, leaving the D zone, um, just just too slow. Um, for, for whatever reason, they just couldn't get to that rush game, and that really translated against Carolina, where they couldn't finish. And then offensive zone, Carolina, excellent defensive team, all over you. So they really didn't have that much time um, once they got to their set game in the offensive zone. It would have made things a whole lot easier if they were able to get to that rush game. And how do you do that? Well, by by making uh, quicker decisions, perhaps closing on the puck a little bit or on the puck carrier a little bit quicker. But Jim's whole thing is using the middle of the ice from D zone out. That just gives you a lot more options. You have both sides of, of the ice. You can use your... Uh, your defensemen to, be, to to support that that low center uh, in the middle of the ice and use that defenseman to to look for your outs uh, on the flanks. So yeah, it's the question is 
how much do they compromise? Because for years, it's been defense first. It's been best in show. Every year, it's been their their strength. Now, if they want to open things up and, and try and get things um, moving offensively, well, they're going to have to give. It's just it's it's not realistic to say that this is going to be a, a number one defense and then, oh, by the way, we're going to be scoring more. Um, so that that's a balance that the new coaching staff has to strike. Uh, I, I get the sense so far here we've had some informal practices. The players are all pretty excited about um, opening the, the window and letting some air in, so to speak, offensively. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Well, and, you know, one of the things, uh, one, one of the other things that was interesting was uh, his philosophy of how to play in the zone, in the offensive zone, when he wants to get set up. And one of the things we saw in Vancouver when Bruce Boudreaux came in was he changed the focal point of the Canucks in-zone offensive attack. And instead of it being kind of built from the points down, what Boudreaux did was play behind the net. Let's do low and high. And that's something that Jim Montgomery also kind of cited. And what that can do, if you get behind the net and you create a lot of havoc, well, you can get your good scorers in prime shooting positions to score and and how much of a re-emphasis is that going to be for this team to create those better scoring chances by having a, being deeper in the zone in terms of their setup yeah they they will do they will have the freedom to go behind the net that will be able to buy them some time and then go to low to, low to high that really wasn't that, that bruce was just uh, that that wasn't really part of mm-hmm. his his plan um he wasn't big on using the points uh, when when it did go up there he wanted guys to to get it off quick, shoot hard, um, and, and play off the shot, it's 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 going to be a little bit different. There will be there will be more ass of the defenseman at the point, um, but it won't just be okay. Once you get the puck, look to get it back on net or back into your forwards' hands right away. That they will have the freedom to to stretch out the ice, to go go low to high, use the back of the net. Then when you get it up to the points. Uh, you you might have to wait. You might have to wait for your your boys up front to get in front because that's really that's that's going to be harped upon. It's it's uh, Jim is is uh, I don't know about very, but he is analytics uh, driven. That he he the 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 numbers help him steer him to the areas where he wants to to play, and the numbers he, he right off the head it's whatever percent. Of, of shots go in when you have, say, a high guy in front and a low guy looking for, for traffic. You have two inside, two inside the dots. That's what he wants. So if there's, if, if it's an unscreened shot from the point with nothing, well, don't, don't do that. That's, that's a turnover. The goalie's going to catch it and give it off to the other team. But if there's two guys in front, and you, you don't necessarily have to rip it on that, but, but put something on. And he said put, put it on up, up in the air. And mm-hmm. The numbers say that okay, a goalie is in better position to make a save than when the puck is on the ice and it's deflected high. But guys in front, say, uh, I don't know, a Nick Foligno is there, it gets his stick on a, on a high shot and, and tips it down. That's a lot harder save for, for whatever reason for the goalie to make. So uh, numbers driven, um, well, yes, we, we will see some changes in the offensive zone with, with Jim uh, because that is absolutely the focus going into this year. More offense needed um, for the Bruins. Uh, before we let you go, Fluto, uh, the, uh, the the Bruins. We know the injuries. They've been the storyline uh, for much of much of the off season in the ultra competitive Atlantic Division. Uh, how tough is it going to be to overcome the the McAvoy, Marshawn, and, and other injuries that they'll start the season off with? Huge. You're talking about Brad. There, there's not many 
not many better all-around left wings in the game, right? That's, he's, yeah. he's probably number one. You talked about Charlie McAvoy. Hey, in my book, he was a Norris Trophy winner last year. That's that's a 25-minute guy, all situations, uh, still 25 years old, getting better, and you might be into December without those guys. That's And then you, you throw in Matt Grizzlick, that's another top-four defenseman, who, by the way, he, he probably wouldn't have played with McAvoy. That, that would have been... Uh, it probably would have been Lindholm and McAvoy, but Grizzlick and McAvoy, when they've played together, they've been elite. The numbers across the board, defensively and offensively, are, are outstanding. So those are three huge, huge pieces. Now, yes, you have Patrice Bergeron coming back, you have David Krejci coming back, but it's this is unprecedented in terms of asking a 37-year-old and a 36-year-old to be your top two centers. It's just historically, it's just it ha- has not been done. So. Uh, there's some familiarity there with those guys coming back. Um, there's excitement with the new coach. Uh, you would think that the goaltending should be should be a position of strength, given that you have a returning guy, Linus Allmark, in his second year, and then Jeremy Swayman. He, he looks like there's there's some legit uh, number one upside there. Um, but yeah, that is they're hoping that they can hang on at least tread water and. and and, and stay within distance of the other teams in this first month or two because those are, those are huge, huge absences that they're going to have to deal with. Fluto, really appreciate your time and uh, really, really enjoyed that piece. Thank you. Okay, guys. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, there is uh, Fudo Shinzawa of The Athletic. And uh, if you're into uh, hockey tactics and things like that and you have an athletic subscription, I, uh, I suggest you check out that piece by Fluto with, uh, with Jim Montgomery. It's just it's rare you get a coach to be so open about some things, Sat. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is kind of the thing that we're going to see maybe the Canucks try and do as well this year. Jim, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine said, we've got to break the puck out of our own end much better. Why do teams want to do that? Why, why, why do they want to be able to move the puck fast out of their own end? The majority of goals in the NHL are scored off the rush. They are scored yeah. in transition. And that's why it is such an area of, of emphasis. And we saw it from day one with, with Bruce Boudreau, get the quick ups going. Yeah. But there's, there's more you can do to implement uh, a, a quick strike attack starting in your own end. Well, it's, the, it's a graduation from going from a team that is getting out of its own zone and spending less time there and – being more competitive versus a team that's becoming a contender. And a team that's a contender has more controlled entries, more rush opportunities, and that all comes from being able to do it as a unit together. And a lot of it does come down to talent, ultimately. Yeah. You know, and the reason that Boudreaux changed things up, went for the quick ups, was because the team wasn't good enough moving the puck out of its own zone to play that style efficiently. And you saw how much trouble they had in terms of their transition game and, and how many safe plays they ended up making out of their own zone as opposed to creating rush chances. They created no chances, essentially, yeah. for the first 20-some games um, of the season this past season. And then once Boudreaux came in, quick ups, a lot of 50-50s, right? High flips, yeah. Get it to the neutral zone and, and just out-battle teams and create chances from that. And that's a good way to you know get yourself out of trouble, but it's hard for you to create a sustained wave after wave attack 
playing that way because you're banking on some luck to get the puck to where you need it to go as opposed to being more controlled in your exits. And, and it was interesting looking at what uh, Montgomery said in that article talking about the quick ups and saying, well, sometimes a quick up isn't there. What do you do then? Then the puck gets turned over and comes back again and now you're resetting again. So how do you create more options for uh, for the guys coming out of their own zone? And a lot of that is how you stagger the forwards. There'll be one a bit lower, one a bit high. And as Montgomery was talking about, maybe you get one kind of the centerman or a third forward coming kind of low towards the blue line, which forces um, the opposition neutral zone to move positions a little bit, and that can maybe create an angle for you to hit a clean breakout and hit one of your players in stride. And it was interesting reading that piece and kind of seeing how we put it together. And, and I think what the Canucks are looking to do would not be too dissimilar in terms of their breakouts to what Montgomery was talking about. There's only so many different ways you, you can do it, but it's it's about how you you – implement those wrinkles and how you execute ultimately on the ice. And, um, you know, there's the Bruins do have some some speedy wingers, and Montgomery talked about blowing the zone to try and put your opponents on their heels. Uh, the Canucks can potentially do that with uh, a, a Mikheyev type now and some others that they have in their forward group. It's, it's just little things, and, and having different types of players through your lineup – that can sort of try and execute. That you can try and execute these different, um, not set plays, but you know, breakouts and different yeah. ways of attacking your opponent. And ultimately, you know, the Canucks are, are are trying, are going to try and implement these types of things. And I think we'll, we'll start to see it in training camp next week how how they're able to do some of those things. But this is ultimately what is the most important part of this this season because. The roster is largely the same, Sat. So mm-hmm. it's going to come down to coaching and execution as to how much differently you can impact the game on the ice through coaching tactics and execution. Well, it's it's all the things this team has to do to make sure that they become greater than the sum of their parts, right? Yeah. To kind of borrow a, a old sports cliche. And, and those are the things that this organization should be excelling in. You bring in a a new age front office, you have a president, you have a robust uh, management team, a lot of forward-thinking people. The, these areas are, are areas you can't fail in. When it comes to player uh, you know, accruement uh, and going out and trying to acquire players, that's really hard in a year-to-year basis. Things can go sideways, but what can you control? You can control your environment as support, as as far as the support system goes. You can control uh, the two, uh, the inf- uh, the um, the teaching that's, that's available and also the type of philosophy you have and how you execute your system on a year-to-year basis. And I want to see this year be a big part of it. And I think when you looked at why this team didn't commit to Boudreaux beyond this upcoming season, I think because I wouldn't say necessarily there is some question, but I think they want to be assured that this partnership can work in terms of their vision long-term, which is we want to be better in terms of our structure. We want to make sure that we give our team the best chance possible every single game to have a chance to succeed. We want to use analytics. We want to use cutting-edge technology and, and finding ways to get an edge. And that's kind of where I think they want to get aligned with Boudreaux. It's like, can we can we see him doing those sort of things? And getting Mike Yo in is part of that. And I think this year, if they get all those things figured out, I think Boudreaux will be here beyond this season in a long time beyond but if that becomes a hard thing for this team to implement, then they may just not be aligned in the overall vision long-term about how they want this team to play and, and the type of resources they want the coaching staff to use. It's uh, Sometimes we view the game as um, random, 
And, and, and hockey can be random at times. You've got a bouncing puck. Like, there's a lot of uh, factors that play into it. But, you know, when you, when you get um, to talk with coaches and you get to talk with players and you see this piece with, with Jim Montgomery, it, you are trying to influence the chaos into your mind, yeah. into your way of seeing success. And this is what teams are looking at now when it comes to analytics it's okay if we do this make this cross ice pass to this player we have a 27 percent chance of that shot going in you know that that's how you are that's how they are now viewing and trying to influence the game in their vision as a coaching staff that's that's where the game is now, and, and that's how we're seeing it being implemented. Well, your starting point to create offense and your positioning to influence the team defensively and influence, say, zone entries and deny zone, I mean, influence zone exits and entries and try to deny those things from defensive end, a lot of that comes down to what's your starting point to do those things. Yeah. Where are you positioned to either prevent that or make that happen? And when, when I looked at this team and you look at that whole notion of make your own breaks in hockey that's so true i mean because sometimes yeah things happen the buck the puck bounces and it goes in but generally if a team is getting more bounces than the other team it's because they're getting themselves to spots where those things can happen or where they're influencing certain things to happen and if you're a team that's constantly creating uh denials on the zone on zone entries which creates turnovers which creates scoring chance opportunities and transition chances that's not luck that's you influencing that to happen because you're putting yourself in that position and the same thing kind of goes for your offensive play goes for um where you want to play where you want to start your offense like last year we talked about how the canucks have a good team down low but all their offense was on the point so why don't you create your starting point a bit different and sometimes activating your defensemen. Like, well, I remember last year when the Canucks played the Blues, and I've used this example in the past, people were like, the Blues are so lucky, getting bounces off their players in front of the net. And I'm like, you know the guy that the puck bounced off was Marco Scandella. He's a defenseman. Yeah. What he did was get to the front of the net because there was a lane, and that's what their system tells you. If there's a lane, get to the front. Of, I don't care if you're Marco Scandella or Colton Pareko. There's a lane, get there, because once you get to the front of the net, anything can happen. Puck may bounce off of you, something may happen. Yeah, it's a lucky bounce, but it doesn't happen unless Marco Scandella is driving towards the net and trying to be available for a pass to come across or be available to knock in a rebound. Uh, can you get two bodies in front of the net? Can you layer that so one's closer to the net front, one's in the high slot? How are you... How are you creating that chaos in front of the net? How are you creating the higher percentage chance? The point shot has a, uh, you know, uh, there's a nine, 990 save percentage on a, 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 a point shot that is unscreened, that doesn't get tipped, that's just easy for the goalie to save. How do you change that to be a shot where the goalie only has an 840 save percentage? Yeah. You know, is that a tip? Is that you know, getting a body, getting in the sight lines? Is that making one extra cross ice pass? These are the types of things that uh, that you have to look at when trying to generate more offense in this league. It's Dan Richo, Satyar, a good conversation there with Fluto Shinzawa and uh, where uh, Boston is trying to uh, get to with their tactics. And uh, hopefully we'll get some uh, – chit-chats with some of the Canucks coaches over the next couple of weeks to see what they're trying to do to get wins this season. We are live on location at Andrew Sherritt Limited here at uh, East First Avenue and uh, Highway 1. You can come by. There's a big uh, 
There's big barbecue going on. There's also a big sale with Milwaukee. You get some uh, representatives here from Milwaukee and also a chance uh, to win some prizes if you do make a purchase. We'll tell you more about that on the other side. Plus, overrated, underrated here on Canuck Central. It is a Wednesday, of course, here on Sportsnet 650. It's Canuck Central on a Wednesday. We are live at Andrew Sherritt Limited. That's right. We've taken the Kintech studio on the road. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star, 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 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. We are live on location at Andrew Sherritt Limited. Together with Milwaukee, Andrew Sherritt is hosting a series of sales events across B.C. Come check out their products with Milwaukee reps. Get exclusive one-day deals and enjoy a barbecue. Plus, every purchase will enter you into a draw for either an M18 Fuel 2 Tool Combo Kit, Hammer Drill and Impact Driver, or an M18 Fuel Powerhead String Trimmer. It's Andrew Sherritt Limited. Yeah, there's also barbecue here, so uh, more than one reason to head over to Andrew Sherritt Limited and enjoy the sunshine with uh, some barbecue and maybe uh, get yourself a new toolkit. So overrated, underrated here on a Wednesday. Let's get it going. Don't want to waste any more time. We always get a ton of uh, submissions for overrated, underrated. People are hyped to have it back with Canuck Central for the upcoming season. They are very excited. And, uh, you know, certain things have happened yep. this week and today that, that allowed us to um, – pose a question to our listeners when it comes to overrated underrated usually they ask us but with tyler mott signing uh with the ottawa senators Mm -hmm. it gave us the opportunity to ask our listeners if he's overrated or underrated so tyler mott overrated or underrated um i you know what he's properly rated because anytime you see a player be vastly overrated in one market and then underrated elsewhere i probably tells you that it's probably where he needs to be. Like, what he is, he's a fourth-line player who can kill penalty, penalties. Yeah. That's what Tyler Mott is. What's that worth in the National Hockey League? $1.35 million. <laughs> You know? And if you start looking around the league, guys who don't score a lot, line roles and are really PK specialist guys, and they don't play center, and are smaller, get injured, they don't get a lot of money. They're not going to get more than $2 million. Bucks. Um, is, is Tyler Mott overrated in Vancouver? Is he overrated by Canucks fans? Yeah. Really easy guy to cheer for. Great guy. Great story. Really became a lot more than anybody really uh, pegged him for when he got traded for Thomas Vanek. I mean, it was it was just an easy guy to cheer for. Blue collar. You, you love everything about Tyler Mott. But did he, like, you know, is was he overrated? The, the classic player in a fourth-line role that, you know, just gets um, – the fan base falls too much in love with. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason to love him. I mean, there's a reason to love his his effort, how hard he works, right? How he plays, and you know, just the energy he brings. And every time he played, you you noticed the energy and pace he can bring for your team. And if it was up to me, I'd rather have him than have Jason Dickinson. But given the Canucks cap situation and the types of players that they needed, I just don't think it made a lot of sense for them to invest that money back into Tyler Mott. But you know, wish him the best in Ottawa. It's a nice pickup for $1.35 million, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him get traded again at the deadline to a contender. 
Uh, overrated or underrated uh, ads on jerseys in the NHL, which are coming this year. Um, they are happening. Underrated. It's gonna bring up. It's gonna bring more revenue into the game. Yeah. I, I don't get as you know. You can, worked you, up about you the, know you're a soccer guy when when yeah it's it's great for revenue <laughs> you know it is I mean it's it's funny we, oh I know uh, oh Eddie, producer Eddie's hating it Eddie doesn't like it I mean I'm not much of a soccer me, guy so that's where that comes from. I know I know it's funny because um, I'm not against it and right now Chelsea's owner American Todd Bailey is taking lots of heat in uh, England and European soccer circles for suggesting that the English Premier League should have a all-star game to increase revenues. His, oh, his we point we was, have a submission on this. So. Yeah, so it's like increased revenues. That was the whole idea. You know, How do you find ways to increase revenues? Because he said in Major League Baseball, the two days they hold their MLB all-star festivities, they make $200 million out of those mm-hmm. two days for the entire league. That's that's a lot of money. That's like 3 to $4 million for each team. So why don't you consider ways to help raise revenue? Yeah, it goes against the norms and it goes against the traditions, so to speak. But sometimes you need outside perspectives and not get so boggled down in tradition and how things have been done to open your eyes to more opportunities to make money for the league. If, um, like, let so the reason in soccer, you know, fan, soccer fans don't. Like, not only do they not hate it, it's like a, a subject amongst fan bases is because when you have a new ad on your jersey, uh, that money goes to potentially buying a new player, right? It's like, oh, we've got uh, $100 million coming in for the, 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 the kit sponsor this year, so maybe we'll be able to implement that and, and go out and buy the defender that we absolutely need. Uh, whereas in hockey, there's no direct correlation. It's like, okay, it might... In- you know, it might uh, increase the overall salary cap. That's that's still good. But let's say, you know, the Canucks were able to go and sell their jersey sponsor for uh, $10 bucks, and they were allowed to increase their salary cap ceiling by $10 million because of that. Well, then, yeah, everybody would be like, yeah, I don't care who you sell it to, but let's do it. Yeah, but does that um, guarantee? But there's no direct... There's no direct impact. Does that guarantee increase in the cap guarantee improved success on the ice? <laughs> There's your question. No, but you know what it does? Not necessarily, but you know what it does, though? It makes the league more interesting. It makes the league more fun. It, it creates more movement in the league. Yep. One of the reasons why the NHL is so constipated all the time is because there's not enough money into it. It's a broke league half the time. Oh, yep. sad. And that's you why and things smart, can't get done. rational ideas. <laughs> But, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, in the NHL, salaries aren't real. The players play, pay escrow. I mean, it's funny money half the time here. I mean, yeah. you go through the mechanisms. The players are constantly in debt to the owners. I mean, to me, that's not a smart system. you got to get out of that. you got to find yeah. ways to improve that. And your experience and your joy as a sports fan will be greater if more revenues come into the league. Uh, 100%. Uh, okay, let's keep it going. Overrated, underrated. Um... All right, let's take a couple more Canucks ones. Ole on Twitter. Spencer Martin, overrated or underrated? Uh, Man. Um, It's hard to say underrated. He had a great few games last year, but... It's like he played six games. It was just a few games. (laughs) It was a handful of games. You can't be underrated on 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 a six game sample. No, I mean I I have seen both though because I've seen people overrate him. It's like, oh, you know, Spencer Martin. Not only is he good, he should be fighting Demko for starts. It's like, all right, you know, calm down a little bit. And then you have others kind of asking the question about, are the Canucks even going to be able to survive with Spencer Martin as their backup goaltender? I'd say it's still underrated because. You have Ian Clark and you have the goalie system. If there's one thing you should feel good about, is that these guys can make sure their goalies are always passable. 
and Yarrow Halak struggled last year in certain starts, but towards the end, he played just fine again. You know, it's it's hard as a backup, but it's it's about can you get passable performances, and I think the bar should be that. Can you be a passable backup goalie? And with Ian Clark being with the organization, I think that's very very doable. Uh, Jeffro, overrated or underrated the Calgary Flames offseason? Was it overrated or underrated? Um... I will say overrated because movement doesn't necessarily mean success. Matthew Kachuk, like the player the Flames have not replaced is Matthew Kachuk, who is a top five winger in the league, in my estimation. Yeah, I mean, could you make the case that Huberto could do something similar to that? He doesn't have the same overall impact as Kachuk does, but scoring wise, it can be pretty similar. Huberto could have a ton of points this year, but still may not have the same level of impact that Matthew Kachuk had. Yeah. That, I think that's that's really it. Uh, overrated or underrated? Uh, AJ, 8 by 8 for young players with one year of production. 8 by 8 million for young players with one year of production. Uh, overrated. So the Cairo, the Stutzlas. Uh, Cairo had more of a track record than Stutzla. Really, Stutzla is the player that 35 game stretch where he played at a point yeah. per game. But you know what? Like, at least super high traffic, showed really well as a rookie, played really well last season. The one guy I worry about, though, is. Um, Tage Thompson? Tage Thompson. Yeah. Because Which was he's a bit older. Seven by seven, but similar yeah. type of deal. S- similar, similar time at seven times seven. One good year after a lot of years of struggling. And all of a sudden, he's going to live up to that? Yeah. 38 goals out of nowhere? Yeah. I don't know. That's the one that's a little tough. So I'd say they're overrated, but I don't feel bad about the Stutzler one. I think that one, you're banking on a guy's superb talent. Uh, Chef Swagger. Pumpkin spiced lattes. Uh, overrated. Really? Yeah, not a fan. Huh. Like at all? No, not a fan. No? Not for me. I, I mean, think Lena's not happy about this one. She's going to put her headset on. Look. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, what Lita. about just like the floor is yours? Fall in general and Halloween and sweater weather. Yeah. No. So okay, I'm I'm all for that. I like pumpkin spice stuff. Like I love okay. uh, pumpkin scones. They're tasty. So you like the pumpkin flavor, but yeah. not the pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, it's not for me. Is the it latte. too sweet? I just we the, the mixture together. Like I like the, each ingre- ingredient separately, but together, I just it's not for me. And I, I got one last, I remember last fall, I got super excited for one because I hadn't had one in a few years. And I went and got one. It cost like 10 bucks or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. And it wasn't good. I couldn't even finish it. Try the pumpkin cream cold brew. Pumpkin cream cold brew? Yeah. I don't like the lot. Wow. I think they're too sweet, but the cold brew with Maybe the... that's better. Try that. Give yeah. that a go. Because I love pumpkin pie, too. Yeah. I can it stands about 7 to $8. Yeah. <laughs> a little less than the pumpkin spice latte. Save a couple bucks? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, coffee is like the biggest markup of any restaurant uh, item. Um, even why there's more so many than, coffee shops here in Vancouver. Even more than like uh, pop machines. I think so. Yeah. Dang. Um, I can have one pumpkin spice latte a year. A year. Like, yeah, that's it. Like, how do you do, like? How do just, you, how, I, I don't know. It just happens. You get a craving. You're like, all right, today's the day. I'm gonna so, have a pumpkin spice latte. So do you have like an internal meter in your body? <laughs> so you, when you have the one pumpkin spice latte, it's I, like you will not crave it for yeah. the rest of the year. It has to be at least past Canadian Thanksgiving for it to be a thing. So I don't know why they're selling it now, but uh, oh. 
Also, eggnog latte better than a pumpkin spice latte. Eggnog. Not a big eggnog guy either. All right. <laughs> overrated eggnog. Uh, more coming in for overrated or underrated. Uh, how about this one? Netflix switching away from the binge model. So this was a story this week. Uh, Netflix is no longer going to release their series all at once. It's going to be just like the old days, one episode at a time, one one a week. I don't know what the, the formula is going to be, but they're not going to drop a Stranger Things spinoff or the next season of Stranger Things all at once. It's going to come one one episode at a time, overrated or underrated. Overrated, uh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I do? I end up just pushing back the, the, the show so you, until you, all the episodes are out. Yeah, yeah same. I don't, I don't like waiting. I, it depends on the show, but those shows, like, I, I can't wait. It's too much. I'll wait for them to build up because then you watch an episode, you want to watch the next one. Yeah. I like to have like three or four I can watch in one night. Totally. I, I'm going to say, you know what, underrated. I, I don't know. Like, it stops me from binging too much all at once. You know, so I'm not up till three o'clock in the morning binging some random new show that's that's mm-hmm. dropped. But I I, I, uh, I recently did it with Better Call Saul, which just just wrapped up, um, where I was watching every episode of the final season, one a week, all the way up until the finale, and I I kind of I, like I loved it. I loved the anticipation of waiting for the next episode to come. So. I don't know. Maybe I've just gone so far away from, or I've binged too much during the pandemic that now I'm uh, more of a one one episode a week guy because it uh, protects me from myself. Yeah. <laughs> How does that Depends affect show. Netflix and chill people? Um, more time to chill. Okay. <laughs> more time to chill. Prudent questions. Uh, all or right. just more Netflix. Yes, it ends up with more Netflix. Um. Overrated or underrated, uh, Discount Dracula, Travis Dermott. I mean, I guess he's underrated because I keep Is forgetting he, him. You forget him. For you, yeah. I mean, I, I don't I'm, – does anybody view him as a top four defenseman? It's hard to overrate somebody who's not being viewed, um, you know, as, as a surefire top four player. Even the, um, the analytics crowd that had really been pushing – Travis Dermott's potential over the last number of years, especially in Toronto, like even they've calmed down on his upside. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say it's it's hard to underrate him. So, I think he's perfectly rated. Perfectly rated. Uh, Look at us copping out with our answers today. Oh man, I like I like a good cop out every once in a while. Uh, this one, Sohail, All Star game in the Premier League, overrated. Or underrated. Underrated. There, there's not enough. There's not enough understanding for what the what Todd Bailey was talking about. There's a big discussion around the Premier League about how the lower clubs can make more money too, because a lot of it goes to the big clubs, and it's so hard to get European um, spots to play in the Europa League and the Champions League and all that sort of stuff. And that's where a lot of the money comes in. Internal cups don't bring you a lot of stuff. So how are ways we can supplement those lower clubs and make it more profitable? And what Todd Bailey talked about was. Maybe borrowing a page from North American sports with things such as all-star games, which are glorified exhibition games, 
that bring in sponsors, they get used for one or two days, and it can bring up two to three hundred million dollars in revenue for for the organization. That is the whole idea of an all-star game. All-star games are underrated because of how much they help the business side of the game. If you want to get rid of all-star games, you're essentially saying you're willing to take less revenues, which will make the game overall less enjoyable. I, uh, you know what, Sat? It's overrated. Okay? I mean, the game itself, yes. There's nothing sacred, you know, anymore. It's just... the. I get it. The whole money thing, there's a business argument for sure. But nobody truly likes the All-Star game. The kids All it is like is it. once a year, you, 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 everybody just complains like, oh, the All-Star game again. And I, You know, like, I like the fact that some things are just, we don't need this. You know, and I appreciate the mantra of, we don't have it. Stop bringing your American game over here. We're good without an all-star game. So We've gone stupid. on forever. We're the best league in the world, and we don't have an all-star game. We don't need one. Period. You know how dumb that story. is? You know how dumb that is? Because they all do the um, European – you do tours in the summer where the Real Madrid and Arsenal will play to MLS all-stars for a weekend and whatever. So you'll do that, which will make a lot of money for those big clubs. The clubs will do that during the summer, but you can't have an all-star game. These clubs need more money. I mean, they make money hand over fist already. Well, this fine. Is a, well, no, see, the problem that you're missing, this is not about Chelsea and City and Liverpool and Manchester United. It's about – about Brighton, Hove Albion. It's about Fulham. It's about those other clubs that are always talking about how hard it is for them to compete and, and be able to have the revenues and how important it is for them to stay in the Premier League because once you go down to the championship, it's impossible to hold your team together because the money just dries up when you get relegated. How do you help those clubs out then if you don't do these sort of things? Do you just ask the big clubs to subsidize them? Because they ain't subsidizing them. They're not giving them free money. Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to do anything. It's, it's like it's 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 like the whole thing of people complain about stuff, and but then they don't want anybody to do anything about it. So that's what it is. Well, like, nobody wants to ha handle solutions. They're like, yeah, don't let um, the big clubs spend as much money. It's like, yeah, let's not make more money. Let's let's limit the amount of spending the big clubs do. It's stupid. I I will say this about your point. This was kind of what uh, NHL players were so angry about a couple of years ago when they were going through COVID and they were deciding on the escrow and all these different types of things. The players were like, well, you're not generating enough streams of revenue. Yeah. Figure it out. Like, And now we've seen the ads on the helmets and the ads on, on the jerseys. But um, I don't know. I don't need another all-star game. That's, that's all I'm saying. Uh, Vicky, number 12 Seahawks jersey. Oh, it's the worst thing in the world. It is. Uh, even as a Seahawks fan, it's the worst thing. The only the thing more cringe than the number 12 Seahawks jersey is just Russell Wilson in general. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see his uh, – he had a TikTok that came out. He's like – Oh, Mr. Unlimited? Again. Oh, no, it was a new one. I think it was a new one. It's the most cringe thing I've seen. There was, like, things I care about. It's like, faith, family, football, and flying. And it's like, we care a lot. And he's, like, strumming. Like, it's, it's just – I, I have never seen a guy be so cringe with everything he does. It's so embarrassing. Let's ride. Man, uh, th like, the Seahawks could lose the next 16 games this season, and I'll still be happy that they beat Russell Wilson on Monday Night Football. You won your Super Bowl. You won your Super Bowl. It was, it was totally worth it. Everything about that game was absolutely worth it. I, I actually regret not going to Lumen Field and paying the 200 U.S. to be inside. You know what? Uh, it was the highest-rated Monday Night Football game in how long? 
Uh, oh, very long time. Like 121 million Since people I tuned think in? Like the mid 2000s or something insane. like that? Yeah. It was like almost 20 people tuned in to watch uh, the demise of Russell 20 Wilson. people. 20 million. 20 million. Yeah. <laughs> did I say, did, did I forget the million yeah. part? No, it wasn't an MLS match. <laughs> uh, sorry, not sorry. Um, overrated or underrated, Captain Crunch, the cereal. Uh, I haven't had Captain Crunch in a very long time. Overrated. I think just sugary, um, sugary. Anything? Yeah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. Uh. <laughs> yeah, like, Diet Coke is very underrated, you know. Speaking of sugary drinks, I, I don't know, like, the, the whole aspartame thing, my wife does this all the time. Like, oh, I can't drink Diet Coke, it's got aspartame. I'm like, really? Is it? What's worse, 40 grams of sugar in a can of pop or a minuscule amount of, of aspartame? Probably a minuscule amount of aspartame. Yeah. I, I'm still waiting to see, like, all these studies that clearly <laughs> show a causal link with aspartame and all these horrible illnesses. Some of it's just kind of like, you know, causation. I mean, uh, correlation and people just have like old wives tales about stuff. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's like ginger ale, you know. I had this conversation over the weekend with somebody who was like, uh, they, were, they were actually ordering a drink. They ordered vodka ginger. And I was like, that's a very strange mix. <laughs> and uh, her point was, well, the ginger ale is, is good for, for the stomach. I'm like. That's, you know that's a myth, right? Yeah. You know there's no actual ginger it's a in a can effect. of ginger ale. So just because you thought, like, oh, yeah, because your grandma told you to have some ginger ale, <laughs> yes, you feel like, I'm going to feel But Once I have this ginger ale, I'll feel better. <laughs> All I need is this ginger ale. Wait for it to go flat. The dumbest things ever. Wait for it to go flat. Then it's good for you. It's like, what? Uh, oh, wow. This, this Italian food, overrated or underrated? Oh, underrated. Terrific. I, I almost disagree. You think it's overrated? Well, like, there's just too many... Um, there's too much fake Italian food around. Oh, all right, look at you. Now you're all pedantic. <laughs> it's like fake Italian food. Here comes the like snobbery. Like Chef is not Italian food. It's like, come on. Okay. Like, I don't know. You know, Eastside Mario's is technically Italian, but it's... Bada boom, bada bing. That's a fugazi. Yeah, it's, it's terrible Italian food. <laughs> you, you, go to, you go to the Olive Garden... I mean, yeah, I guess it's a it's Italian, but is it really Italian? Yeah, I get what you're saying, but good Italian like Italian food? No, it's it's great. I mean, it's not just you know pizza and like pasta bolognese. There's more. Yes, you know that, that that's the thing. Uh, Rager is asking Sat's opinion on anything. Overrated, <laughs> underrated? Definitely overrated. <laughs> Def definitely <laughs> overrated. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, the the twelves are very upset. Are, are they really? Uh, Jeff was all about the 12s. Uh, he says, guess who's first in the West? It's the 12s. And uh, somebody else says, you guys have to explain why you don't like the 12s jerseys instead of just saying, oh, it's bad. Like, what's the reason it's for it? It's cringe. I don't, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a made-up number. You're giving a jersey number to the fans. Yes. 12 fan. I, I don't know. Like, it, it, it legitimately, I, I find it hilarious when I – you know, when I'm walking around Seattle and there's people wearing their 12 fan jerseys. Like, I get it. You feel like you're part of a team because you're the 12s, but uh, it's stop. It's yeah. overrated. Stop. Overrated.
Uh, Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. We are Canuck Central. Also overrated. Uh, it is live on location here from Andrew Sherritt Limited uh, over by the highway on First Avenue and Highway 1. Together with Milwaukee, Andrew Sherritt is hosting a series of sales events across BC. Come check out their products with Milwaukee reps, get exclusive one-day deals, and enjoy a barbecue. Yes, Sat and I are about to. Plus, and Lena, every purchase enters you into a draw for either an M18 Fuel 2 Tool Combo Kit Hammer Drill and Impact Driver or an M18 Fuel Power Head String Trimmer. I feel like Tim Allen reading these things. It's great. <laughs> uh, home Improvement Reference, nobody gets it? Okay, somebody did. All right. I did, it's Dan. Dan Richo, okay. <laughs> uh, All right. I know it was bad, but, you know, whatever. Uh, we're here. Uh, I was thinking about barbecue, Dan. <laughs> uh, shouts to uh, Fast Eddie Gregory, uh, our producer of this fine program. Lena Sategan here with us at Andrew Sherritt, making sure we're getting on the air. My co-host, Satyar Shah. I'm Dan Richo, and, of course, you, the listeners. Back tomorrow on Sportsnet 650.